Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 293, covering Juggernaut and Someone to Watch Over Me with Caitlin Purdy. Hi, friends. Our pal Caitlin is here. I, I don't know if I mentioned Caitlin is now one of our regular guests who will be with us once a season. So That is correct. I'm excited about that. I am very honored to be here as a regular well, guest. Welcome uh, aboard. You will be while we're still in Seven of Nine land, but yeah. when we get to Enterprise, you may rethink that. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be... Maybe not. You're gonna be I don't know. We'll have to see. You're going to be looking for someone to replace the curse with. <laughs> That's the thing. People don't leave the show. They just pass it on to other people. Yeah, I, I, Nate left, and uh, Tidro took over, and I, actually, I don't know that anyone left for Caitlin to be here. We, we, I think we made a new slot for her. Yeah. It, it was, it was partially Caitlin is delightful, and partially, boy, we could use another girl on the show. <laughs> so also true. Also, and another I'm... Voyager enthusiast because we're not always that enthusiastic about Voyager. What? Exactly. I'm at least enthusiastic about a part of Voyager. A very, a very specific, specific part. part. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I also, I, I actually kind of wonder if you're gonna, if you're gonna feel the same way about a similar character on Enterprise, who is the hot Vulcan uh, first officer on that show. Yeah, I'm totally willing to give Enterprise a chance, and I'm going in total virgin blood. Never watched mm. an episode, so I will go on this journey with you guys. Excellent. Well, first though, we got we got this this thing. I don't, this this episode, this first one is mine to summarize, and you will you will soon find out. Uh, the Voyager fatigue's really setting in. I'm really just... Uh, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Juggernaut. So Balana's in timeout because apparently she's learned literally nothing over the past five seasons, but now she has to go on a mission to save the Malons. You know, those actual garbage aliens who are like the Vidians by way of Captain Planet. Turns out they're still polluting. Did you know pollution is bad? I mean, I know we've covered this in 16 other episodes about the Malons, but in case you forgot, here's that point again. And now, because Kate is a sucker, we're helping some of them. Sure, why the fuck not? Their ship is going to explode because pollution, which is bad, is infecting the ship or whatever. Also, there's a monster on board. No, seriously, there's a mythological creature aboard the Malon freighter who turns out to be a Malon crewman poisoned by, you'll never guess, pollution! And now he's Phantom of the Garbage or something? Anyway, Balana learns that her anger is bad, or maybe it's good? No, I'm pretty sure it's bad. Anyway, she uses her newly found powers of giving a care to save the day or whatever. Not only did I check how much time there was left in this episode about 20 times, I actually checked how many more times we have to watch this stupid show. After the next one we cover this week, we have 54 left. 54! That might as well be a million. But hey, Harry Kim was hardly in this episode at all. That's something, right? I actually would have been a big fan of Harry being in this episode just so I could see him be covered in more and more cr- trash and grease. Uh, uh, buried I under don't, a, I don't know. buried under a pile of trash bag alien garbage. <laughs> just d- diapers full of coffee grounds and like, being thrown at him by off, by people off screen. Yeah, that would be- <laughs> I don't know what this was about this episode. I I've been trying to articulate this cuz it's not that bad it's fine it's middle of the road voyager but something really bugged me Mm. and i think it's because uh brian fuller co-wrote this one and we found out this week that he is quitting discovery and i'm transferring my anger and disappointment and frustration and feelings of abandonment 
Yeah, not so thrilled by that not. decision. No, really not. But yeah, we'll see. That show could still be good. But I, that might be why I hated this so much. Mm. I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't like. I don't know why I hated it, but I really hated it. <laughs> you guys liked it okay though, right? Yeah, it was fine. Um, I felt like almost neutral towards it because I was really bored. That's fair. So mm. I don't know. I didn't like hate it, hate it, but I thought it was just kind of really silly and boring. Like pretty much the whole last like three quarters of it, I would say, seemed like they was just like. Crawling around in shit, crawling around in the dirt, getting mad. That's about I, it. I think they were trying to do an aliens thing, or you're they were definitely around. trying to do an aliens thing. Yeah, Which yeah, there done wasn't fifty times already. Yeah, and I like that kind of stuff, but there wasn't like we were getting like chased the whole time and no. stuff. So mostly the scary monster just hung around in the background and looked at people. It was like it yeah. was like if the alien from Aliens was just stalking someone. Well, it was very Phantom of the Opera. Like, I mm-hmm. made that comparison deliberately because that that's what he's the guy who was a normal guy who's now, like, all ruined and hiding and killing people. Like, Lurking in the shadows. I, I get no. Well, I guess because he doesn't need to teach Seven how to sing, but we'll find <laughs> out uh, next episode. I, yeah. I don't know. Everything about it just felt lazy or out of character or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, fucking Balan. This is my bad thing. Balan is super out of character in this episode. Yeah. Like, she, like, look, part of her character has always been that she's got a temper. But, like, she's also come a really long way since, you know, season one. But, like, this entire episode, she's just in a shitty mood. She calls the captain Janeway when she's talking to Chuck. Like, that's season one shit. Should she call her Kate? No, she should call her Captain. Captain oh, would be appropriate. That's, that's fair. She should call her Kitty. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be funny. Yeah, that would. We have little nicknames for each other, you know. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, we're pretty far along at this point. Well, and this was effectively your bad thing too, right, Caitlin? Yeah, I mean, if Bellana, Bell, Bellana, I want to call her Belle, and Bellana at the same time. If she had had, like, a reason for being pissed off, I totally would have bought it. Because, like, she deals with some, like, good emotional shit all the time. And I like mm-hmm. that. Like, battling her inner, like, Klingon business or, you know, her weird hormonal stuff. But, like, she didn't have a reason to be pissed off if they would given us some, like, incident. Or maybe she'd been having, like, bad dreams about childhood stuff. Like, some kind of reason for her to be mad. I totally would have bought it. I would have been sold. But because there wasn't that, it was just, like, tantrum Bellana. And yeah. totally, like you were saying, first season, like, she mastered that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That just, like, I'm angry for no reason stuff. All three of our uh, modern Star Trek shows started out with these chicks who, in the pilot, are just throwing things and screaming. You had Tasha Yar in Next Gen, and you had Kira in, in DS9, and you have uh, Bellana here. And, uh, I mean, in Next Gen, Tasha quit. But in the other two shows, the characters gradually grew and evolved so they weren't just screaming and throwing things because that's not really a character that's mm-hmm. just the thing that happens yeah and like I, Blana still gets mad she's still definitely the most aggressive one but for she's, sure yeah, like, she's more fleshed out now she's more yeah. three-dimensional she's got a relationship and presumably she like runs her department okay and like she's good at science like she's got stuff and yeah, this felt like no. We're back to her just yelling and throwing things. Yeah, again. well, there's a scene in this in the next episode where she is like she's super pissed off at Seven, but it makes sense the, about the episode, a thing. She's yeah, yeah, she might be overreacting, but she's reacting directly to something. Yeah, and, and this she's just oh, I just, mm, oh, yeah. she's no, I, like uh, Farnsworth in the Angry Dome. <laughs> 
I do like that, like like I mentioned in my summary, the episode opens with her being sent to Tuvok prison mm-hmm. to learn how to, um, I guess Tuvok detention would be more accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To learn how to control her shit. To like, hey, hey, Uncle Tuvok's going to teach you meditation so you don't like tear the bridge apart or tear engineering apart. Uncle Tuvok's like meditation camp really upsets me for some reason. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, like, uh, uh, this never happened to me personally, but on a lot of TV shows, you get when you get punished so much that your parents can't deal with you, they ship you off to a relative. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, that's, that's kind of how I picture it. Here, and I like it, problem. too. It's one of my, actually, like, favorite moments in the episode is when he's mm-hmm. just, like, talking to her about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, like, it's kind of, like, caring and, like, you know, I'm trying to help you. And then she's like, oh, you can't order me to, to meditate. And he's like, well, actually. I mean, yeah, and it's just kind of. You do. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's kind of cute and it's kind of charactery and it gives us that. I love that side of Tuvok, like the um, the teacher you know, mm-hmm. I want to help you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm here, I'm here for you. We don't get it as much anymore now that she's gone. Yeah. So it's nice to still see that. Yeah, I wish we had seen maybe some more of that. And that, I mean, that could have been another thing that made her outburst believable. Maybe she's been having trouble and been working with him for a while or something. But again, we don't really still see enough. coming to him voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, dude, I'm having some problems. Like, I understand that I have a temper, and I don't like it about myself, and I want to fix it. Because she's a grown-ass woman. She's not a teenager, for Christ's no. sake. Like, mm-hmm. She's probably 30, I would say. So she, at this point, she's got to know this is not appropriate. And, and she's aware yeah. of it, too. She has this exchange with Paris later that I actually really like, where he's being really understanding and kind of trying to cheer her up while she's being pissed off. And he's, like, short fuse day, and she's, you know, holds up her fingers like, just, you know, an inch. <laughs> That's all I got. And um, so it's like she's aware of it. She Mm -hmm. knows what's going on with her, but she's still just super resistant to to help. And you don't have any kind of reason for it. Because even in that conversation, they don't talk about like why or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it it specifically manifests itself like on the bridge a couple of times. This bugs me in every Star Trek when this happens. And it's happened a lot over, over the years. But like when you're on the bridge and the captain is talking to the captain of another ship and anyone under the captain chimes in and contradicts someone or yells at the aliens, like that is the most unprofessional shit. Knock it off. Yeah. No, you shut your mouth in front of the aliens. This is diplomatic stuff here. Do not derail this. This is important. Like stop it. Captain Picard would have had you beaten (laughs) with a, with some sonic soap in a sock. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What the hell was that? You yep. made me look bad in front of the Bolians, you piece of shit. And she she really spends the whole episode yelling at the the garbage aliens for being garbage aliens. Yep, we already knew that's what they were about. When nothing has changed, like slow your roll there. Oh, you're just gonna pollute some more stuff? Yeah, that's what we do. We've met like we've met and met and met over and over again. So that uh, uh. Let me let me just do my bad thing real quick. You guys sure. have already covered yours. I, all of it? Can I say all of it? That's a bad thing, right? All right. How about the moment when, after insulting them for an hour and running around in their fucking smoke machine-filled garbage scow that's powered by fart clouds, a seriously out-of-character Bolana, I see Matt's bad thing <laughs> and Caitlin's bad thing, uh, meets the fucking toxic Avenger of these less-than-one-dimensional aliens who actually opens his worthless piece-of-shit mouth and says the words, I'm already dead. <laughs> no, I take it back. The toxic Avenger is a nuanced piece of social satire compared to this. Also, Neelix reminded me that he likes being in bathtubs, and I only just finally bleached that image out of my mind. 
I'm gonna go have a bat. Ugh. That line oh, stood out to me so much when we were rewatching. I had the closed captions on, and I saw that yeah. come up on the screen, and I got that gagging sensation yep. again. Neelix made me want to barf this whole episode. Oh well, there's that mo- there's that moment when he's digging around in his bowl of soup? Question yeah. mark. Oh, he decides that soup is a good cure for radiation poisoning. Oh, sure, nothing cures radiation poisoning like a big bowl of soup. Gag soup. I, I, I will say that is actually my good thing. There's that scene where it's the broadest, worst comic relief he's ever done. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, they start with a close-up of him sipping from the ladle of gross green soup. And it's like, oh boy, here we go. And he's doing just the worst <laughs> clown man bullshit. Uh-huh. But Robert Beltran actually showed up this time. Yes, he in did. The midst of, in the midst of that scene, he gives him some great side-eye, eye-rolling, deadpan, like, are you fucking kidding me with this? And it's actually really funny. Oh, Neelix. Like, uh, would you knock it off? Soup does not cure radiation poisoning. You are a mess. Just stop it. <laughs> oh, I if I could have just it a little. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, he like gags into it. Mm-hmm. He yeah. gags like, into it, and then he walks away and leaves it on the stove for somebody else to eat or do something with with his gag in it. Oh, good. Oh, he's Neelix preparing ma- enough. Okay. Neelix made dinner. Ah, oh, the see. You might say the secret ingredient is my mucus. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> Yeah, they even said at the beginning of that scene, he's making enough food for the crew to feed themselves while he's away on this mission. Oh, so, God. Like, it is for them. Mm. And he, down, like, losers. He, like, gags and looks like he's, like, pulling hair out of his mouth. Well, I mean, he's still gagging. And I was yeah. gagging. And now uh, I've watched it three times and just thinking about it makes me want to bark. Um, and us describing it has probably uh, activated the gag reflex of approximately 50% of the listeners. So I mean, that's why they listen. That. That was the grossest thing I've ever seen in Star Trek Voyager. Fucking Come nasty. for the Armus impression, stay for the hair talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. That reminds me, Caitlin, have you done your Armus voice yet? I feel like I feel like that's part of the initiation. Oh, I... Do you, do you have an Armus voice? I don't know if I have an Armus voice. Okay, I don't want to put you on the spot. If you don't, I'm not going to, like, pressure you or anything. Although we did pressure Tidro. I'd, I'd have to, like, practice it. Okay, that's right. Well, for next time, that's okay. Your I'm gonna practice my Armus voice, and then I'll have it prepared for next time. Because if yeah, I just do it without practicing, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Mm. Screw it up. Well, of course, it's, that's, a, big, that's it's a big deal. You, you can't screw up Armus. I mean, can't screw no, up you Armus. can't. <laughs> Can imagine Armus killing Neelix and being full of just like like that goopy black tar with hair all sticking out of it, and the skin of hair. That yeah. sounds foul. I know. Oh no! I'm uh, covered in your hair now. Hey, enjoy my hair. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go cough up a hairball. <laughs> They'd be like like black tarry hairballs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? Um, I actually really like the uh, the humanizing of the trash bag men in this episode. Um, there's a scene at the beginning with uh, the two guys talking about like you know the one guy's kid and it's his birthday coming up and the other guy made him a spaceship to take back to him yeah, and just. We, yeah, yeah, spaceship model. And we just, we spe- the, the one trash bag guy we spend time with, like, I actually like him quite a bit. He, like, he's, you know, he's, he's not just, like, generic evil guy, you know? Like, I've talked about how much I hate that the Malin are just made into these, like, generic garbage aliens after their, this first appearance. But, like, I really think this episode goes a long way to making them not just that. 
That's fair. I mean, they don't really justify their the stuff that they do. They, well, they no, make sort of like the, the individual Ferengi. guys more relatable, but yeah. their their culture still just feels like deplorable and just awful, disgusting. Yeah, no, it's sort of like the Ferengi, where it's like, well, we already made this. I guess we're stuck with it, but you know, let's see yeah. what we can do with it. No, that guy definitely had some charm. Like, like I uh, like the, that guy. Yeah, the, like, the actor's name is Ron Canada. Ron Canada. And, um, He's been, he's he apparently major roles in Next Gen and DS9 before, so mm. we've seen him before, and I don't specific, I don't have it in front of me now, so I don't remember what he played, but I bet we liked him before. He's just got that kind of presence of a, of a charismatic guy that we kind of like. So. Absolutely. That's funny that that was your good thing, because I didn't even look at it, and my good thing's pretty much the same thing. Nice. As soon as I saw that actor, I, I liked him. I like the way he's, he's, he's kind of like... Kind of big, kind of dramatic, but like mm. believable because he just, you, he's, I don't know. I, I believe the intensity that he's feeling. Like when he realizes his whole crew is dead, he's like, where is everybody else? Yeah. And that that scene where he, and he's like sitting up in sick bay and he realizes that only him and this other dude survive. Um, and just kind of throughout it, he's just like, seems like he's got a lot, a lot of sh- like shit going on with him, you know? He just lost his whole crew. Like, he's working this really dangerous job. There's a good chance that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can kind of, like, feel that from him while he's just being insulted by Bolana continuously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, like, they're talking at one point, and Bolana's like, why are you guys so gross? And he's like, listen, like, we have a beautiful fucking planet that's, like, gorgeous. And, like, you yeah, know, the whole I'm... reason they do this waste thing is because they're carting the waste away from their paradise planet. Mm-hmm. And I also like, they actually, the guy makes a point, he's like, look, yes, we dump it in space, but do you know how much work we go into to make sure we don't dump it by anyone, like, like, by any civilizations or anything? Like, we find places to put it and all this crap, which is completely the opposite of the first guy we met, who was just like, ah, fuck this planet, I love Throw it trash. in a wormhole, hope nobody lives in this wormhole. Yep. Yeah. What would be nice is if they would, like you were saying, now, like, you don't really... You only see the one gross side of the culture, and supposedly they have this nice, glorious homeland, but you never like mm-hmm. see it. So mm-hmm. all we know about these, all we know about these people is they're gross and their ship is slimy. And yeah. if maybe they have like I don't know some hollow image or something, something to show us like what else there is, because I have a hard time believing that like these dudes, because the aliens themselves look like dirty and gross and they wear like yeah. weird outfits. Like I have a hard time be- imagining them anywhere else than a trash ship mm-hmm. so and they made it they made it sound like the people like these guys who do this job are special people in their culture that get way more money and like they're treated like and and real like actual cultures have this now where you handle something that's either actually physically dangerous or else just a cultural taboo mm-hmm. and these people are special and they get special treatment and that's great, but I also kind of like the sad idea of maybe they don't have a paradise planet. Maybe these guys are just out in space and they've never been there and they've been told that, but maybe that's not even oh, true. Oh, that'd be so crazy. Yep. I mean, I don't know that. I just, I like the idea of maybe we haven't seen it because it doesn't exist. I mean, I my vision of their planet is just the Springfield tire fire, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right? No, way more specific garbage. Like I, th- that's one thing I enjoy when we when we talk about the Malon is when we come up with the garbage imagery, imagining all the various. Oh, know, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like the 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 rotten milk, you know, uh, with uh, half an old cupcake with mold on it. I just have mm-hmm. the, you know. I just have this image in my head of a like a redo of Worf's pain stick ritual from TNG, mm-hmm. except it's Harry walking down a, a row of Malon who are <laughs> pelting him with trash. Rotten eggs and yeah, 
the kind of trash that like you know it hits you and it leaves a good portion of it on you after mm-hmm. it falls to the ground yeah oh the garbage juice soaks it yeah we need warm. yeah we need juicy juicy garbage oh mm-hmm. <laughs> for that here's some more here's some more trash bags squeezed in this harry <laughs> who doesn't oh. love garbage juice <laughs> ah that rancid ah. oh come on there's a syringe in this yeah <laughs> well you're a special boy. You can take it. Mm-hmm. Occupational hazard. Yep. Only the specialist uh, boys get syringes. So there's a point where um, they're talking about their Phantom of the Opera Toxic Avenger guy and on the bri- on the bridge of Voyager. And they say, yeah, there's a myth. And Chuck just butts into the conversation and says, really? Myths? I like myths. I'm an Indian man. Tell me about the myths. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come on. Really? I believe in stories. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I, I don't, like, if that's his culture, that's fine. It's just this show does not engage in any kind of subtlety for him. Nope. Like, oh, yes, our Native American character is into myths. Of course he is. Uh, just, uh, that bugs me. I also, we refer to the garbage people as the scourge of the quadrant. Um, really? Guys, uh, the Borg live here. And, no and kidding. Species- Species eight, whatever. Even the Vidians, like yep. there are a lot of scourges out there. But no, we want the we want the guy the guys flying around in the old milk cartons. <laughs> That's the scourge of the ga- of the quadrant right there. I mean, I know I made this reference before, but really, unless sanitation is code for mafia, mm-hmm. these guys are not that scary. Nope. No, and they're not even like doing anything horrible. I, they're just... dumping their toxic waste, but that's about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know they're not I mean? dumping it yeah. on someone. No. Usually. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're not, you know, murdering entire races. They're not assimilating people. No. Scourge just... of the Quadrant. Honestly, like, Voyager has such a rep in the Delta Quadrant now. They're probably more of a scourge. Than <laughs> no kidding. I actually have a note here when the, when the first trash guy wakes up and uh, Kate goes, I'm Captain Catherine Janeway. I just picture him going, shit. Oh, no. I heard about you guys. Oh, <laughs> Those are the last words a lot of people hear. Uh-huh. And that's not true, but I love the people in Delta Quadrant believe that's yeah. true. Oh, God. I heard what you did to Jason Alexander last week. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the think tank is, like, think sunk. That was terrible. Uh, I, I apologize we'll, for that. We'll, we can, uh, we'll come back to that one, but <laughs> No, no, we're never coming back to that one. <laughs> this whole episode, I thought of Captain Janeway as Captain Planet. Yeah. Because I was Captain addicted Planet. to that show when I was a child. My so. own powers uh, combined. I was like, it's all about pollution. Captain yeah. Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take oh, God, pollution down too. So <laughs> I love that show, but this whole episode reminded me of it because it's like about something really stupid, mm-hmm. pollution, yep. which is all like, all those shows were about. Just, but I know the the bad guys actually built pollution factories. That was my favorite thing about about Captain Planet was you would have guys who were just like, it doesn't make anything. It just it just sprays out. It's garbage. a pollution factory, and I am pure evil, and there is nothing redeeming about me. We hate the planet. Yeah. Uh, you know you live here, right? Blah, whatever. Whatever. This God is my kid's nice. problem. Blah. Yeah. No, thank you. Um okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Neelix some more. I oh, don't know if that's necessary. Specifically well, specifically why he's on this mission. Oh, I thought you were gonna say specifically his velvet jumpsuit. 
Oh well, okay. We could also get into we could also get into his jumpsuit if you like. Oh my <laughs> god, his jumpsuit. Yeah, it, it, uh, Caitlin, you said it looked like he was like taking a fashion cue from Seven. It really did, and he should not be permit. No one except Seven is allowed to wear velvet spandex. Let's, no. That's a rule. We're gonna write it into Starfleet policy. Yeah, this is the secondary directive. First, the no interference thing, but after that, after jumpsuits. that. No velvet jumpsuits for anyone but seven. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just not something I want to see in my life. I don't I need think, it. I just picture him showing up on the bridge in case he's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> what is that? Turn Get, you, get out of here with that. Turn and around. it's so tight. It's so tight. It is. It's like right up, to... all up in his business. And then on top of it, he's like slimy for half the episode. So mm-hmm. it's slimy and it's tight velvet thing. With and his matted hair. With his Ugh. bark hair soup and yep. I'm just picturing ooze running out of the cuffs of the uh, of the pants. <laughs> See, I wasn't even I wasn't even trying to bring up gross Neelix again. What I was just gonna say is like he's on the mission because of his previous experience as a space garbage man. Oh yeah, like his his past sure has a lot of things that are specific to missions. Like. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can do this because you've worked here before. Like, how many jobs has this guy had? Well, I'll tell you this: I buy it. I buy him more as a space garbage man than I do as a space drug dealer. Uh, that's true, and and it does kind of tie into when we first meet him. He's kind of a scavenger. Like, that's mm-hmm. not too far removed. No, from he that. was a he. He was a slightly better garbage man then. Yeah, he found the garbage that was of value and sold it to people instead mm-hmm. of finding the garbage that wasn't and throwing it away. Instead it's of finding the garbage up. that wasn't valuable and living in it. Yeah. I thought he was involved with, like, a lot of mining. Yeah, he they mentioned that before. That's what I'm saying. Whenever the plot needs it, he's involved in a lot of things. And yeah, I, he's been, like, all the shit jobs. I feel like I remember, them, in... I remember more of them, like, showing about the mining stuff. Or maybe it was just because he did so much in the episode. But I don't mm. remember anything about him being a trash man. I just feel like... Oh, this is the first time we've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's really silly. And even if he was, like, a super trash man... Like, you don't send just, like, rando citizen civilians into, like, toxic waste yeah. places where there's, like, radiation. It's, like, yep. a super tactical mission. There's a there's a reason Bolana's there. Mm-hmm. There's a reason yeah. Chakotay's there. It's an engineering qu- uh, problem, so you want your engineer to help fix it. That totally right. makes sense. And Chakotay's, like, the, the number one guy you send on an away mission because that's what the first officer does. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, give Neelix a headset so we can talk to everybody and keep him on the fucking ship. Yeah. Yep. Also, don't just, like, rando people walk around in radiation. Also, well, could we is... maybe get, like, some hazmat suits on these guys or something? Like, they just send them over. They give them injections and send them over. Like, they gave oh, them vitamin and soup. Vitamin B. They give them soup, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah vitamin no, B and soup. Yeah, that's enough. Like not even even the garbage guys don't have helmets for their suits, and it looks like they should have helmets. They've got like those yeah. big neck things. Yeah. I know they, they their neck things only make sense if they put on a helmet, and they never put on a helmet, so their neck things therefore do not make sense. Yeah, no, it just you makes know, the... it look like they are actually in a garbage can, like Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> well, I mean, the real production reason is that all the actors have to show their faces. Nobody wants to watch people in spacesuits, but you know what? On a space show, yes, I do. Yeah, I want to watch people in spacesuits. I love spacesuits. Not every episode all the time, but if you're going to a dangerous place, I'm totally fine with them in spacesuits. They're spacemen. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But th- I know the people making the show are convinced that no one wants to see that, and they're wrong. Like, in, 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 the, in the episode, Bolana keeps wearing less. 
Yeah. Which, like, no, if she's I'm definitely got a like a Ripley or like a, a Sarah Connor from Terminator Two thing going yeah. with the tank top and you know all that. I'm like, listen, if I'm going to gross fucking snot red dwarf, I'm gonna wear this much mm. clothing as possible. I I mean, there's so much steam. It's probably really hot. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, but that I don't want to touch anything. Yeah. I don't want to touch anything either. The walls there's... are bleeding. Yeah, they are. There's a scene where, like, Neelix touches some stair thing, and his hand comes away all slimy, and then he makes a gross face, but, like, yeah. everything in there is covered in slime. It's disgusting. I just, I want to yeah. turn to these guys and, like, okay, I get that you're, like, the garbage men, but do you not have a vacuum or something? Chris! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, you need a wet vac. Like, no okay, kidding. there are places you keep your garbage, but also, like, what, like, fucking clean the fridge out once in a while. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, you say that, but you literally tweeted a couple of days ago about how gross your fridge was because you hadn't cleaned it out. Well, it's cl been cleaned out now, so I'm on my high horse. Oh, fair <laughs> I mean, I say this as someone who's got gross things rotting in his own fridge. I am not like I'm not better than you in, in this regard. I just I know you said that publicly. So mm -hmm. either you or Mal, I don't remember which of you did, but it's the same fridge. So. Mm -hmm. Look, the important thing is that I'm better than the people on Star Trek. You're better than the Malon. That is true. yes. Your apartment's are not bleeding ooze from the walls. So. I mean, not currently. I, at least not in the rooms that, that they let us in. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been in their whole apartment. But yeah. mm. Don't go in my closet. <laughs> There's ooze everywhere. I oh, See, man. I expect your closet to bleed. That's just something I, you know. <laughs> just, just yep, this, I is, this is all in order. Good work, Matt. This all checks out. That's strange the blood usually gets up on the first floor. <laughs> all right. Anything else or can we push forward? <clears throat> uh, That's all I got. Oh, the giant yeah. space needle. I just want to talk about that for just one sec. Okay. Um, so there's a scene where Bal they find out Balan has been infected by whatever. Mm -hmm. and space first, boogers. Yeah. And for, first of all, she actually, like, uh, one of the... One of the guys is like, okay, okay, you're sick. We're going to get you to sick bay and fucking get you cleaned up. And she's like, no, I have crap to do. I'm fine. I'm just picturing Chuck going, you're not fine. You're you're literally dying. For God's sakes, go take a five-minute detour. Right. And then they go into sick bay, which, by the way, has a rotting corpse in it. And I say rotting because, it, again, something is it's covered in mucus. Yeah, you can't tell with the Malons. They look like they're rotting just walking around. Yep. Um, but the dude pulls out a fucking a syringe the size of a nail gun. <laughs> With, like, two prongs. And the, and the prongs are, like, each a foot long, and he just plunges it into the side of Bolana's neck and goes, this probably won't hurt too much. Here, this harpoon will cure you. Yeah, I she's swear. just like, okay. And, yep. you know, there's Whatever. nothing more sterile than a rusty old uh, harpoon gun. <laughs> On a garbage ship. Here you go, this should be fine. Nah, you're cured yeah. now. I mean, I just popped a pimple with this, but it's fine. <laughs> all right. So my quote is basically the doctor summing up my attitude toward all of this, which is uh, which is this. Pelk said he was attacked. Ah, yes. The Malon boogeyman. Can always count on the doctor to make a snide comment. That is pretty much what I'm thinking. <laughs> so. All right. Time to push forward. It will surprise you all to learn that there is an adorable Seven of Nine episode next and that Caitlin signed up to uh, to summarize it. Heck yeah, I did. Pause for surprise for a moment. Right? <laughs> Caitlin, why don't you tell us all about Someone to Watch Over Me? Someone to Watch Over Me. Okay. 
So this week we open on Belle and Paris do some classic flirtation while Seven lurks in the background with her Starfleet study pad, documenting in detail her observations of their mating rituals. Belle gets offended and calls Seven of Nine out on the carpet for some old-fashioned Klingon problem-solving with fists of fury. And then there's a break for the intro and her threats go for naught. I was so looking forward to that brawl. So then Janeway tells Seven to stop creeping and get a boyfriend before going off in her dress pits to meet some super square aliens who hate hot sauce and bad words. Mr. Conservative Alien Man makes a huge mistake by asking Neelix for hair food. While the doctor offers to teach Seven about dating after diagnosing her with womanness, <laughs> the doctor gets entirely too excited about lesson planning while simultaneously insulting Seven on her age. I'm not sure what that's all about. Cut to the holodeck where Seven learns how to mate with aliens and then goes on to lesson two, Parisian pubs and how to introduce yourself to strangers. I wish they had these lessons when I was in high school. As Seven tumbles through the horrors of first contact, the Doc and Paris make a bet on Seven's romantic success, because even holographic men are dicks. Doc tries to find Seven a hobby so they can discover music together. Uh, Jerry Ryan can actually sing, so what can't Jerry Ryan do? <laughs> then she shuts Harry the fuck down after he hits on her, so he humbly helps her pick a dating candidate instead of sexually harassing her. After picking the most compatible mate, Seven adorably invites the confused candidate to dinner. Date acquired. The doc hopes Seven gets ready, fixes her hair, picks out her dress, gets her all slutted up for date night. Seven and the candidate have a lot in common since they're both totally uncomfortable. Honestly, I think the candidate was a stuffed shirt, and I would have had a great time with Seven on that date. Mr. Candidate can't handle the glory that is Seven, and she accidentally rips his shoulder out of socket, so he goes crying and whining away to the sick bay. The doc takes the opportunity to take over the date and flirt uncontrollably. Back to the B story, there's a creepy drunk alien partying like he's never partied before, thanks to Neelix. Of course Neelix is putting his whole first contact with a new alien race thing at risk like the blithering idiot that he is. The doc finally comes out and asks Seven out on a date to the alien party, where Paris uses terrible jokes on aliens that don't know any better. Seven gives a lovely toast before finding out about the misogynistic wager between the ex-con and the hologram. Seven then experiences a little thing called Bitch Face, which she uses as a weapon against the belligerous party alien. Party alien then discovers hangovers. Later, the doc confesses his boy feelers on the holodeck just before the real Seven shows up to give him a handmade papier-mâché Borg-updated tricorder and puts him straight into the friend zone. Wah, wah. The end. I'm I'm pleased that you referred to Tom as an ex-con. I always forget that. It's like mm -hmm. I always remember Wesley killed a guy, but for some reason I forget Tom was in prison, and that's an important detail. The, the I remember every time he's is ex ex-con uh, Paris. Ex-con Paris. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every time he's like skeezy, then I remember. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, you're yeah. a criminal. Except he was hanging out in like lush New Zealand landscapes, but oh but yeah, still still criminal. Still a criminal. Yeah. Not a very smooth criminal either. So I enjoyed this episode immensely. This is such a yeah, good was, episode. It was essentially uh, Pygmalion or My Fair Lady, but with uh, the Doc and, and Seven. Yep, it was, it was a great. high school musical. There was a bit of that in there with some actual singing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's just tons and tons and tons of dialogue that I really enjoy. The whole thing, just like these little quips back and forth. Everything between the Doctor and Seven is just mm -hmm. funny. I love... All, you know, all the things that people say to her about, like, small talk and just all these things. And she just gives her really, you know, 
simplistic responses without like all the kind of emotional, social BS that the rest of us have to endure. And I just, I love it. It's so cute. And that's effectively your good thing, right? It is. It really is. Just um, pretty much everything that comes out of Seven's mouth is the most adorable thing ever. And a lot of the stuff the doctor says, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I, I, I do not envy you having to pick a quote because there's a good ten or twelve things. Every line of this is freaking great. It is. I changed my uh, mind like four seven. times. <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I was expecting to hate this one, but it's adorable. Like, mm -hmm. I love the actual date with Ensign Rando. I think it's one of the sweetest things that's ever been in Voyager. Um, mm -hmm. I love the musical number with the Doctor. I even like the end when she gives the Doctor the recalibrated tricorder. It's just all so adorably cute. See, I didn't, ha I didn't expect to hate it, because when the show wants to do character stuff, it usually does a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. It's when they try to, like, bend the characters to fit the plot... Or, you know, like when it's just all plot, like when when they just slow down, like there's no deadly danger in this one. The, the biggest mm -hmm. danger is Neelix might have caused an incident by making this diplomat, like not keeping this diplomat under control. That's it. Like nobody's life is in danger in this entire episode. It's just kind of small and sweet and character driven. And they're usually pretty good at that, I would say. Well, the, the, the Netflix description is like the doctor teaches seven to date. And that combined with the opening, which is like, uh, uh. Uh, Janeway just being like, well, these these are really high-strung aliens, and you have to be really careful around them. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. here we go. It's gonna be a gonna be a sitcom thing where I know attempts like, to I, learn I, how to date. Or, I know, know exactly how this is gonna go, but I didn't. I was wrong. That's what happened no. to me too. The first time I watched it, I read that description, heard that opening scene, and assumed that's who she was gonna try dating. Yeah. And I think just especially because I was thinking that it was just even more delightful that that's not what happened. Well, and this actually takes me to my bad thing, the the uh, the alien in question. Okay, so they come from this super, like, conservative, they don't drink, they don't, like, they, they don't dance, they're from the tiny town from Footloose, I guess, they, like, <laughs> they don't do any of that stuff. And, um, and so he's supposed to be completely civil and completely straight-laced, and instead he starts drinking and, and all that, and it's, it's uh, uh, very famous, uh, well, famous if you're a comedy nerd, I don't know in... in non-comedy nerd circles but if you if you big into sketch comedy one of the kids in the hall scott thompson and i'm sorry voyager my suspension of disbelief allows me to accept warp drive transporters and alien inbreeding but i draw the line at scott thompson being into women Just, <laughs> no he is the like i i could t i could almost guarantee an entire generation of comedy fans learned what gay was watching kids in the hall and listening to scott thompson give his buddy cole monologues and just in general being scott thompson he is like I love him to death. He's probably my favorite kid in the hall, but he is the living, walking embodiment of a homosexual man. Mm -hmm. He just is. He's not. He doesn't like women. It doesn't work like that. It oozes from every pore. It does, and uh -huh. I love him for it. But he's like, he's the first out gay guy I can think of that wasn't like he was kind of a cartoon, but he also kind of wasn't. He was. He just, I don't know. Like, he's like, oh, that's what pe gay people are actually like, not just like this stupid you know, cartoon version that are on sitcoms. Stereotype, but, yeah. Yeah, and he's a good actor, but he's not that good of an actor. I, I don't buy it. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I also, I kind of have to backtrack on what we said last week about them always using their famous guest stars well, because mm -hmm. I feel like he was wasted a little in this one. Yeah, you're not wrong. He was just sort of the drunk party animal the whole time, and he did a good job because it was funny, but I don't know. I feel like he's capable of more than that. Yeah. 
Now this, yeah, guy, I, he really could have been just about anybody, like any sort of actor of the week type. Yeah. I think especially because this was a character episode and because he was so fun to watch, he's really engaging. He could have done a lot more if he was given some more material. It would have been yeah, fun absolutely. to have just more of why, you know, he's going on, what life's like at home, why he's there. More, I mean, even if they wanted to do more party alien stuff, they could have just maybe done it, like, not just, like, drunk the whole time. He could be a party sure. alien without being wasted the whole time and just do some fun character stuff. But The, the uh, problem there is then all of that would have distracted from the main plot that we all, much like, enjoyed much more. <laughs> that's so. true. Every time they pulled away from Seven, I was just like, no. Yeah. I want to watch You're the right. Seven of Nine but, show, though. Also, they did this basic premise on Next Gen before. Like, they did the ambassadors from, like, a super straight-laced culture trying to learn about humanity through different, like, excessive things. Like, there was the one who just ate a bunch of chocolate with Counselor Troy, because that, that's what she does. Yep. And I feel like one of them was super aggressive with Worf. I don't remember exactly, but... His like, they, deal they, was they, he's all, like, he just... Uh, uh, he was just like, fuck you, Worf. And Worf's like, oh. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds like Worf. Good Worf yeah. impression, man. I thought so. <laughs> but like, so that there was that as well. It just felt like this is an interesting concept, but we did this already. Mm-hmm. So I, but I mean, that's, that's the B story. And it took up maybe 10 minutes of the episode. The rest yeah. of it was this other stuff, which was, you know, delightful. The, the best. Yeah. It was really great. And my good thing mm-hmm. is I like, I want these two to date. Oh, I, I, I ship them. <laughs> I ship sec- sector Dovin. <laughs> I want them to hook up, like, a lot. And I don't think they're gonna, so no. that's too bad. No. Yeah. They're not. But it no, makes so that... much sense, and their connection is so genuine. Oh, and, yeah. And their chemistry is is just totally there, and it's this really cerebral connection. It's not yeah. really an emotional thing. It's just they're, they love working together. They really appreciate each other's minds. And each other's intellectual abilities, and so that to me is just like so much more beautiful than you know, and like your body or whatever. Yeah, but they're all like that. That is one hundred percent. I agree with you. But in addition to that, they're also both a little emotionally stunted. Mm -hmm. They're both outsiders. They don't quite understand the whole human thing, and so they have Mm -hmm. that in common. And so it's not as awkward as it would be with any other person (coughs) who isn't like that. Exactly, and and I think they're both really hyper understanding of the way each other are yeah. more so than the rest of the crew. Like the doc is way more understanding to seven's boredness than anybody else on the crew, except maybe Janeway and vice versa with the doctor, because he gets on everybody's nerves with his, yeah. his computeriness and him and seven just always click because they get each other. Yeah. Yep. And the two actors have really good chemistry. Like mm-hmm. in addition to that, it, it is a delight. Like, a scene where the two of them are singing some public domain song for three minutes, <laughs> but that was adorable. Mm-hmm. It they was. Over my sunshine, and it was it was cute. Yeah, it was really fun. I liked it. Yep. And I just like the other thing. Seven has so few relationships with other characters on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's nice to see the ones that she actually works with. Because like, you put her with like like Harry or Bolana or. Yeah. Like, none of it really works. Like, everyone's... Well, cert- like, a lot of these guys just feel like they're put off by her somehow. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, I think there's a good sort of continuum of, like, you got Janeway who sees her as a mom, mm-hmm. and then on the other end, you got Bellana who fucking hates her. And mm-hmm. then everyone else kind of falls in... Like, everyone has a very 
clearly defined relationship with her, I would say. Mm. They just, they aren't always all friends with her. In fact, nobody is. But I don't know. Like, we've seen her with Tuvok, and we've seen her with... Uh, well, that's the thing. I Like, I feel like she like she sort of clicks with Janeway, Tuvok, and the Doctor, and that's kind of it. Right. Well, those are the characters I like the most anyway, so mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like for everybody, everybody else, she's just a... Some more. <laughs> no, I, I think like... we all cringed when he showed up, like, in the middle of this episode. Like, I'll help you date somebody. Oh, no. Hey, oh, my God. I'm to date. Yeah. As soon as he walked into that scene, I was just like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? It's going to be uh, terrible. Here we go. Yeah. I play the clarinet. Uh, of course you do. Freaking A. It turns out I am into music now. Oh, that's cool. I play the clarinet. I don't care. Look, I've never seen a clarinet in my life, and I'm already better at it than you are. Let me <laughs> give you that thing. And then she flawlessly plays some Mozart or something. Yep. Uh, shames him. That'd be epic. I just, I sized that thing up on, on one glance, and I'm already, like, better at it. Yep. Um, so, Caitlin, what was your bad thing? My bad thing, okay, so I think you guys probably disagreed with me on this, but my bad thing was actually the guy she went on a date with. I called him Mr. Candidate because I was totally in, like, dating show uh, <laughs> mindset when I was watching this. It was just, like, the most adorable little dating show. Bachelor number one. Bachelor number one, yeah. I just, um, I feel like he was really, uh, like, in, immediate, like, he was totally awkward, and so was she, and so I get that part of it. But he just, like, immediately was like, okay, this isn't going right. Let's skip to the next part. Okay, this isn't going right. Let's skip to the next part. So, like, he seemed like he really didn't know what to do, and he wasn't really, like, that interested in being on the date or trying very hard to enjoy the date or anything like that. And then he gets his freaking shoulder ripped out of his pocket. I, I watched that dance scene. It was totally his fault. He didn't do it right. No, you're right. And if I had gone on a date with Seven... And it would have gone so much better. And he just kind of took this beautiful opportunity to date seven of nine. And he just threw it out the window. So really, you're not so much upset with that character. You're upset with the the uh, missed opportunity of like, like it should have been you. You're jealous is what you're saying. It, I, I'm I, super jealous. And so I'm saying it's my bad thing. <laughs> I, I, I think you might be a little bit biased, Caitlin. Just to, just I don't know that. what you were talking about. Man. That's, that's why we have you on. We want that bias. That's good bias. <laughs> But like, also, it makes it makes me feel less like a creep when I check out Jerry Ryan when you're doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> I I'm aware, and you you take that bullet most of the time, and it makes me feel like I said, it makes me feel less like a creep. Her her dress was fantastic without being like like super revealing or anything. It was yeah. just a yeah. really good outfit for her. It was a tasteful choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I'm having a hilarious imagination because there's a scene where she's like, "Doc, you need to help me put on this this outfit because I've never." put this on mm-hmm. before and I don't know how to do it. And he's like, no, you got to figure it out. Yeah, no, and no. then I realized she's wearing like nylons and nylons. Are, I, I know you guys don't know this unless you could, you know, tried trousers or dressing before, but nylons are okay. Yeah. So you might know Matt, but uh, nylons are really hard to put on. They are. Mm-hmm. And especially if there's you have like, legs, but if you have hairy legs, uh-huh. yeah, it's a, there's a whole shimmying thing. You got to like, Make it all perfect. It's hard. It's complicated. It's it's no uh, spandex onesie. No. So, yeah, but presumably, presumably the holodeck has something like those YouTube videos that walk you through stuff. Like yeah, like she the prob- YouTube video of tying a tie that I bring up every time I need to tie a tie. There's probably I, a nylons tutorial. I imagine the she cool had to read thing, the manual. The cool yeah. thing is you can go to the holodeck and just have someone like help you. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. It's way better than just watching it. That like, is true. I feel like you can just have a guy like here. I'll put your tie on for you. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I feel like Kate could probably teach her, though. That, uh, just because I think of Kate so much as her mom, mm -hmm. uh -huh. I feel like she would go, and Kate has definitely put on nylons before. Like, I feel like she could help her with that. Oh my god, I'm imagining Seven of Nine, like, calling Janeway and being like, Hey, can you come to my room and help me? Yeah, and then she goes duty, in there. I need some help, yeah. Oh my gosh, now that's a cute scene. That's I'm in my sorry. head now. I'm just picturing what, hologra what holographic celebrity I would get to help me put a tie on. <laughs> okay, that's a, what holographic celebrity would you get to put a tie on you? I'm thinking John Goodman for a starter, and I don't know why. Oh, I feel like a good pep talk would go with that choice. That's what you, I'm thinking don't too. Want, but you don't want someone way taller than you helping you put a tie on. That's the thing. I you could stand true. on a block. He's massive. Yeah, if you if you were standing on a box, that'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But computer, uh, no, for, John uh, computer, John Goodman, please. Honestly, if the computer can make John Goodman, just just keep him around, just to hang out with. He seems yeah. like a cool dude. Let's just have John Goodman be on Voyager, as That'd John Goodman. Yeah, I mean, he could also make a good Klingon or something, but just as John Goodman, that'd mm -hmm. be fine. But anyway, a no, really Paul good F. Actor. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins for me, certainly. Oh shit! No one knows how to put a tie on better than Paul F. Tompkins. And all the different ties, uh -huh. like like a bow tie or bolo tie, like he knows them all. What kind of knot do you want? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, there's choices. <laughs> but no, I much prefer the idea of Seven, like, going to Janeway and, like, this is my first date. I have never done this before. Oh, you're going to be so pretty. Like, she's Helping her excited. fix her hair and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, you want, you, okay, for lipstick, you want to do this, but not too much of this. And, like, just all the, all the different things. Oh, that's so cute. Yep. So let's just assume there was a scene we didn't see where that happened. Yeah, that's canon now. Yeah, totally. We, we'll, we'll write the fan fiction for that later. Okay, deal. Matt, how did how did you feel about the dude you dated? I thought he was fine. I thought he was trying about as hard as he could for a what is obviously a guy who is completely out of his depth and just got asked out by the most beautiful woman on the ship. Yeah, they like, they set it up at the beginning. They like when they're going through the choices, they're like, uh, he's a little awkward. Like they said, yeah, he's like not Harry or whatever says, he's like the, the, he's kind of awkward around women, and like, and then he gets yeah. asked out by fucking yeah, a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I I felt the same way, but I you know, my only thing was that first of all, I thought skipping dinner to go straight to dancing was stupid. But I mean, like you know, you've only got so much time for the thing, and also yeah, that's your standard sitcom thing there. Yeah, exactly. And also, okay, yes, I got my arm pulled out of my socket, but you know, like maybe we could power through a little bit longer. Yeah. No Again, kidding. I would fucking, be. It's fucking seven to nine here. I, I feel like the motivation here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You'd be motivated to just like. So, you know, give me a shot of whiskey. You know let's... My arm is fine. Let's let's do something else. Literally, yeah. literally, just have her shove it back into its socket like it's fucking lethal weapon. <laughs> there we go. But, okay. Although, the doctor's right Matt, there. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Although the doctor says no, you have to go to sickbay. Like he doesn't want to interrupt the date because he's got this bet and sure. he, he wants it to go well. Um, but Matt, you also pointed out that uh, maybe having lobster isn't the best thing for someone who doesn't typically sit down for meals. Yeah, um, like, look, I'm a lobster's pretty good, but like, and I get that it's like the fancy food choice, but I mean, like, seven doesn't Have really a steak. eat much. Yeah, get a steak. Yeah, it's easy. There's plenty you of other it, fancy food. It. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to fuck up. I mean, it's not yeah. hard. To, it's easy to fuck up, but like, but it's not hard to fuck up eating it. You yeah, cut exactly. it and put it in your mouth. That's yeah. it. No, I get you. I mean, but on the other hand, this is kind of a comedy episode, and it's way funnier if she just grabs the thing, tries to break it in half, and showers him in lobster guts. Mm -hmm. Like, that's funny. So, it was pretty yeah. cute. Yep. It's like a pinata, but gross. Yeah, it's a pinata filled with uh, fish meat. 
fish meat. <laughs> Juicy <Nobody>. fish meat. <laughs> Bug of the sea goo. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Those are big fucking that, lobsters, what, too. Man. One of our grossest episodes. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what to tell you. Speaking of gross in an entirely different way, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, yeah. Don't bet on people's relationships. It's disgusting. I know everyone thinks it's fine and beautiful and romantic because Shakespeare wrote a play about it. But hey, guess what? Shakespeare also wrote a play about two kids who kill themselves over what basically amounts to the plot of an episode of Three's Company. Don't make bets on people. It's this isn't she's all that. But it's it's Pygmalion and My Fair Lady. Like this this story has been told many times in many forms. Probably yeah, and the it's still you're fucking referencing gross. there. If you're going to do an homage to a thing, if you're going to do an aliens homage, you got to have someone chasing a, a scary unseen thing through a bunch of ducks. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do a, an homage to this, you got to have like, I don't know if there's people betting. I assume there is. I've never actually read those, so I don't know. But uh, I, I well, assume that's part of the story. Like, Isn't like fucking Taming of the Shrew is all about like uh, fucking a bet on some, cleaning some woman up? I, so that... I believe so. I don't want to speak out of turn. But, but I, um... I <laughs> Okay, it, like that's gross now. Like it, it totally is. You're absolutely right. The I, just, I think cent, it goes like, with this story. I expect that shit from Paris because he's a fucking sleaze bag. But like, and I expect it. Like e- even better, Paris is. I can still see being like, yeah, I'll make a bet on this. But like, the the, the doctor should know better. Just yeah. Like I expect better of him. This is the kind of thing that like fucking Paris and Harry would do. I, yeah, but on the other hand, this might be in the doctor's sort of blind spot of what's appropriate and what isn't, because he's definitely got that. Yeah, that was kind of my thought. I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell which way to go with it either. I thought kind of both, both were true because, I mean, he he's trying to teach Seven like about emotional stuff, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he's over here making this really uh, thoughtless and emotionless uh, wager. Yeah, but. But at the same time, you're totally right. Like, the doctor has a lot of blind spots, and he kind of, he fumbles quite often when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it's not super out of character for him, I feel like. Also, it's, like, it is totally in character for him to be so into his, like, his pride. His, this is my project. And and Mm -hmm. he's betting, like, it has nothing to do with Seven in his mind. Like, that's how kind of I see it. This is my project, and you're questioning my scientific Mm -hmm. results. Of course I did a perfect job. Right, especially with how seriously he takes, like, the lesson planning. Oh, he's got a whole slideshow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, names for his lessons. He's got, like, I mean, seven references, like, dancing being a part of, like, lesson 35. So he's he's got this, like, all planned out. He's taking this so seriously. And that's totally Mm -hmm. what he's betting on. You're you're 100% right. He's betting on himself, Mm -hmm. whether or not he's a successful teacher. It's also, like, I think sort of a... Sort of a self-esteem, like trying to pr- trying to justify to himself that he like he's been trying to figure out what human is all along, mm-hmm. and the like. I don't think he knows. Like I don't think he's confident that he actually knows what being a human is. And so uh, I'm gonna teach someone else because I'm an expert. I sure am the reigning expert on this. Mm-hmm. Not any of you, but me, because I'm the best human. Uh, but he's really not. He's really scared that he doesn't know anything about it at all. And, yeah. Like, that's that's kind of how I see it. No, that makes that makes sense. It doesn't make it any less gross. No, it doesn't make it right at all. It, even if it's in character, it's still something you should not do with human beings. Yeah, and I, just, and I really, I, I feel so. I bad almost for didn't it. expect uh, Paris to be making that wager either. But Al, you brought up that you know he's with Belana. Belana's got some really negative opinions about mm. about Seven of Nine. So I mean, 
in, in terms of that, it does make sense that they have someone else leading over. And he, it's not that he hates Seven of Nine. He just he thinks that she is a robot. And well, I guarantee all three of us like have come home from work and with our significant other and talked about your day and one or the other of you goes on about that coworker that mm-hmm. you just can't fucking stand and you just listen and say, uh-huh. And if I ever meet that coworker, I'm going to hate them too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably what happened. But like, I also, this is not, like, we've talked about Paris getting better, but this still feels like this, this does not feel like a, like a big, uh, like a big leap for him. Honestly. No, it's a, it's an it's another instance of sort of bending the character to fit the plot. I would. Well, say. I mean, like it actually like it, it it works for me is just him falling back on bad habits. You know, like yeah, you can change fair. so much and still be kind of a shit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think I was for me. I was just after just watching Juggernaut. Him being, uh, he's actually really sweet and thoughtful mm-hmm. to Bolano when she was being like yeah, a he's pissy like her bitch. Support system there. Yeah. yeah. And um, then to go and be super callous was just like immediately after for me was just kind of yeah. It seemed like we lost any progress that he made, but yeah. it's also it's a different context, you know. Once his girlfriend, maybe he steps it up for her and gives you that many shits about everybody else. Yeah, that could be. I, I, or it could just be the show decides that people are different characters in different episodes because there's no eye toward continuity or nobody gives a fuck. Al, but no. Maybe that's just. Yeah, I know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's crazy. I might just be completely sick of Voyager and ready to be done with this. But who who knows? Oh, muffin. <laughs> uh, what else? I'm pretty sure this Anything? is the first appearance of a mention of a burrito stand in Star Trek. <laughs> that's probably true. It's the kind of thing I like to keep track of. You know, like yep. the first appearance of a standing ladder. Oh no, we got Memory Alpha for that. Yep. Memory Alpha's on Ladder Watch. And on Clue Gula Girl Alert for some reason. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um, I really liked the way that um, Captain Janeway is talking to Seven at the very beginning of the episode when she gets, she reads Palama's report about what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's getting dressed in her ready room and she's digging, she finds her pip on the floor and has Seven put it on for her. And they're just kind of having this really candid conversation. And mm-hmm. She is so mom malicious because she's like, well, you kind of sound like you're really interested in dating. She's like, I don't have any need for that. She's like, oh, why are you talking about it then? Why do you have <laughs> however many gigaquads of information on it? I think yeah. you want a boyfriend. Yeah. And it's just a really cute conversation. It is so mom malicious. It is. Janeway is so good at that. She's like feeling kind of boy crazy. <laughs> I feel like it's how that conversation went. She's got uh-huh. pictures from uh, Tiger Borg uh, pasted up in her... Uh... <laughs> In her, uh, her, uh, T- Tiger Borg and uh, Tiger Borg and uh, Seventeen of Twenty magazine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just really cute. It's just another little Janeway moment. I think she has a lot of yeah. moments with Seven, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy when she's just really candid and she really connects with her little kind of crew member, the people she really considers her family. Yeah. Well, and we've I said that it. before. Like, sometimes I say, oh, they're acting too much like a mom is kind of a bad thing. But, like, in the same way, it was good that Cisco was very much a dad. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so maternal in such a good way. And it's such a, like, it's such an effective use of the first woman captain to make her a, a good mom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, to, to say she's just as good as, as the men at all this other stuff, but also she brings this unique thing because she's a woman and because she has this sort of maternal instinct kind of thing. And I, I like that about her. Yeah. And I like that she's not actually a mom. 
Right. No, she and just so, has that, that instinct. She's a dog. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right. that makes it even more special. It's not like she has kids and she's just adopting the crew. It's just that she yeah. has this general, like, this ability to connect with people on that level. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that makes it even more special. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. All right. Matt, I love my Kate. Um, oh, last thing. Um, there's a moment at the beginning when uh, when uh, Balan is chewing Seven out for uh, watching them. He's like, what business is it of yours what we're doing? And and Seven goes, there's nobody on Dex 9 that doesn't know that you guys are having relations, which I think is fucking oh, yeah. funny as hell. Yeah. No, apparently they have very loud sex that a uh, good portion of the ship can hear when it happens. Well, Bones <laughs> have Klingon and uh, Paris is a screamer, so. <laughs> Paris is a big baby and she's into rough stuff, so. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. uh, I love that. Yeah, that makes total sense. All right, Caitlin, you got a quote for us? I do have a quote. It was so hard to choose because there's just so much good dialogue oh, in yeah. this whole episode. But this is just one of my favorite little moments between the Doctor and uh, Seven having to do with her being uh, a woman. So why were you studying Tom and Balana? Scientific curiosity. Are you sure? Perhaps there's a reason that hasn't occurred to you. You're a woman, Seven. Is that an observation or a diagnosis? Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone's aware she's a woman. Just <laughs> was, was that a secret? Because if it is, it's not being kept very well. If you look for the platonic ideal of a woman shape. That mm-hmm. that's that's it right there. There, there you go. Yep. There's some kind uh, of hilarity to me because sometimes being a woman does feel like a diagnosis. Just because you know, there's <laughs> there's oh, just a lot I'm of so extra. Sorry. That... <laughs> Turns out you're a woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Doc. Is there any cure? No, 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 no. Nope. So yeah, uh, I love it. I loved yeah. it. Just dialogue so, right and left. There was there was great dialogue in this. All right, so Caitlin, always a delight. Absolutely. Uh, that is all for this time. Uh, next week, let me pull up the list because I feel like we got some cool stuff. Oh, we're almost at the end of the season already. I that's know. Nice. That's weird. We only got two more pairs of episodes and we're done already. That that wow, feels weird. Okay. And then the following week, we have uh, what appears to be a cliffhanger for the season. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, right. Because we're nearly at the end of the season, that means we'll be doing a supplemental soon. If you would like to write to us, it is postatomichorror at gmail. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. Please don't write in with a 50-page diatribe about how you just need to suffer through 100 episodes of Enterprise and then it gets good. We have a, we, People have covered that already. Thanks. Like, There's a lot of mail waiting for us for the next supplemental where people are really heartfelt defending Enterprise. Just, just let the show do that. We'll, we'll, we'll see it when we get there. This is what we have flunk for. Yeah, also that. Okay. Also, I think we're going to try to uh, properly summarize uh, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, we, uh, yes. we gave our initial thoughts uh, the last time, but now that it's on video, we can sit down and write a summary and discuss it a little further. So mm. we'll, we'll be doing that as well. Yeah. So, um, uh, but until next week. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>